Hello, everybody. Welcome as we continue on in our study of the Old Testament. Now we're working our way through the Bible. We finished our five-year study through the New Testament a couple of months ago, and um, we've started our 15-year journey through the Old Testament. I hope to see you all here 15 years from now when we finish it up. And uh, yeah, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to shoot at. Um, and, and so um, we're pressing on in that, uh, in that endeavor. Um, and, and, you know, if, I, if, we, if we condense some of the Psalms, we might cut 15 years a little. But, but that's how many chapters in my brain worked out through the process. But a lot of stuff to cover. And, um, and so I, I think it's, again, you know, uh, one of my, it would be my joy to have read into this place every word from the Scripture. Um, even if it takes 20 years to do it, that would be a neat thing. So we're, we're on track for doing that. And... Um, you know the the point of context and looking at things in context and um, sort of getting a flow of things of why things happened the way they did and and uh, and so I think you know sometimes looking at things together and just hitting a few highlights really helps it all sort of to connect over time and remember we'll see it again there's a thread that runs throughout the Old Testament all the way to Jesus and it's called the crimson thread of redemption and we, we, it started in Genesis 3.15 and now we're going to watch it run all the way through the Old Testament and we're going to see the enemy try and stop it over and over and over again because he doesn't want redemption to take place it does but he's going to do his best to stop it. and you'll see how that's the reason behind so many things that happen in the Old Testament um, but we're in Genesis chapter 9 today and we're on the you know the backside of the flood um, the uh, the world had become an evil place. Sin had entered the world and just destroyed it. In effect, people had become wicked beyond what, you know, uh, you know, just horrendously evil and wicked. And, and so uh, there was, the flood came to sort of set another beginning, kind of, um, into the world. And, uh, and so we, we watched that take place. We've seen now Noah who was found righteous in the sight of the Lord. He wasn't perfect. We'll see that today. Um, but he was obedient. Um, he responded in faith when God asked him to do things. He, uh, he was extremely patient in his response. Um, he worked on that ark for 120 years before the water came. Um, very possible it had never rained before. So he's in the middle of the desert building a ship for a rain that he'd never experienced. And uh, it took a long time for it to all come to pass and yet it all came to pass and, and uh, at the appointed time you know the Lord himself shut Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives and all the animals into the ark and the flood came covered the earth um, we looked at the reasons why we believed it was a universal event even though some have tried to say it was a local event but it doesn't make sense to be a local event and, um, we've, we've watched the process and then uh, the waters came, you know, 40 days it rained, but the waters continue, remember, to rise for another 110 days, 150 days, the water level goes up, and then finally, you know, well after everything's covered, they begin to recede, this takes quite some time, and um, uh, after some time, Noah starts, you know, first he sets out one of the, one of the ravens and doesn't come back because it found something to eat because there would have been a lot of floating carcasses and stuff and they were unclean animals, they would have fed on that then he sends out a dove and the dove, can't, the dove comes back, there's nowhere to land sends out the dove, the dove comes back this time carrying a, an olive branch and then sends out the dove again and it doesn't return and 
He knows it's getting close, but he still waits patiently. And finally, days, you know, several weeks after that, God says, okay, it's time. And it was over a year that they were in the ark. Um, long, long process. Just patiently waiting, taking care of the animals, moving through the process, coming through the other side of the flood. So... Um, lots of illustrations um, that are there. There's, a, you know, it's a type of Christ, the 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 ark, and and uh, all that it means, and that you know it was the only way through the flood. It was the only way to be saved, and and now you know we have that in Christ, uh, and so there's a lot that's going on in the process. When Noah eventually comes out of the ark, in this, uh, we he's sort of like a he's like a second Adam. He's not the second Adam. Jesus is actually. Uh, referred to as the second Adam in the scripture, but it's like that. He's sort of got a new beginning. He's ushering in a new beginning on the earth for the human race. And, uh, and it's faith that has saved, you know, uh, faith in the Lord that saved Noah and his household from destruction and his three sons and their wives will um, repopulate the entire earth. So everything can be traced back to there. You can trace it back further, you know, but, but uh, because of this event, now we can trace everything back to the three sons of Noah for populating the earth. Now, if you remember in Genesis, um, in Genesis 1, God had told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and uh, he repeats that now to Noah and his family twice. Tells them that, that that's what they're going to need to do. Um, all of Noah's descendants were important to the plan of God, um, but, but we'll follow particularly the line of Shem, because that's the line from which Abraham would be born and um, from whom God would choose the Jewish nation and from that nation would come the Redeemer who would fulfill Genesis 3.15 the crimson thread of redemption so we'll pay attention now to the lineage of um, Chem in particular you'll see um, from events that happened today um, a fascinating study would go for, for you to look at those three sons and you can do this on your own and see the people groups that came out of each one and where they're at and, and how some of that gets set up in, in um, the events that happen that we're going to read about today in Genesis 9. Also, when we look, um, when we get through verses from verses 8 through 17, that's the covenant that God makes with Noah, the Noah covenant. And um, uh, this covenant, you know, includes all of uh, Noah's descendants, which would be um, all of us, because he says not only you and your, your, your sons, but all generations to come. Uh, it also includes every living creature of every kind. Um, and in this covenant, God promises unconditionally that he would never send another flood to destroy all life on earth. And um, he, he actually says never again. Three times he's making it very emphatic. And, and um, like most of his covenants, this has, there's no condition on our part. Um, he fulfills all the covenant in and of himself. Um, so there's no conditions we have to make. He simply states the fact that there will never be again another universal flood and um, that Noah and his family um, could enjoy life and not have to worry. Because what, what, here, here's the thing. Why this was so important now, very possible it had never rained before and now that things have changed on the earth, rain is going to be part of the cycle. Well, what would happen if they didn't have this promise every time that it rained? They would think it was done. You get that that would be your thought? If it rained, you... <gasps> and uh, so you, you, every time it rained, you would go into a panic. But because of the covenant, they don't have to ever again. They never have to worry when the rain begins to fall. And, um, and so the sign that uh, God gives 
in, in this covenant is a, uh, it's a visible sign, it's a rainbow. As we read through the Old Testament, you will see when God makes covenants, he gives signs to his people. Um, this, the covenant that he makes with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, the sign that's, that one is circumcision. Um, the covenant with Moses, the Mosaic covenant, um, the sign uh, that's given with that is the weekly Sabbath. And God's covenant with Noah is the sign of the rainbow. So when people saw the rainbow, they would remember God's promise and that no future storm would ever come with a worldwide flood that would destroy humanity, wipe it all out. So, and it's still cool to see a rainbow, isn't it? I like rainbows. When you see a double, that's really cool, right? Look, a double. Okay, so uh, there's a little intro. Let me read you the 29 verses. We'll talk about it for a few minutes on the other side. Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, 29 verses. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can read along in your translations or uh, follow along on the notes, however you want to do it. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand accounting from every animal and from each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah. And from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of his wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will be his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his slave. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Altogether, Noah lived 950 years, and then he died. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Noah lived a long time. 
So even if you take into account the 120 years he spent building an ark, he still had plenty of time for everything else. So uh, a very interesting, interesting life. Um, so again, you know, the, the main things to pick up out of this, um, God blesses Noah uh, there in the, in the first few verses and um, sort of reestablishes or, or republishes the law of nature, tells him to get fruitful and multiply, um, to, to get about the business of repopulating the earth. And, and um, uh, it, it's important, I think, you know, that he, he uses the exact same words he'd used in the beginning, be fruitful and multiply. So um, this is how this, this chapter begins, the importance of that. Now, something that's a little different. Um, uh, in uh, Genesis, uh, in uh, verse 2, is that it, it seems now for the first time the animals are going to be a food source for people. It wasn't that way before, and things have changed now. And, and the, the animals that had been trusting them for to provision that God had brought now had a fear, would have a fear of um, man, uh, and yet man would have dominion over the animals. And, and um, you know, at first that dominion in the garden was one of uh, a love and kindness, um, but now there's a actual dread of, of um, men. Um, and um, so that the animals, in effect, wild animals really do try and stay away from people unless they've been tamed uh, and trained to not be that way and it's all back to this point in time and um, so we have that happening and verse 3 every moving thing shall be meat for you um, and, and so this is uh, about the means of sustaining life and so people were then allowed the use of um, animal food um, with one restriction um, was that they, they didn't eat anything with its life blood in it and, um, and so, you know, um, the, the, we, there was an order to things. He, you know, he wasn't looking to turn people into cannibals uh, or that kind of, um, you know, mess. Um, and so, um, so there was this condition. Uh, and it, it begins to talk about the importance of blood and um, how, in verse 5, God will um, require uh, each person to account for their actions and that we are not to harm um, or kill other human beings without answering to God and uh, that justice will um, be served in those situations. Uh, he explains in verses 5 and 6 why it's so wrong, um, why murder is wrong. To kill a person is to kill someone made in God's image and because all human beings are made in God's image, all people possess the qualities that distinguish them from animals. Um, morality, reason, creativity, and self-worth. And so um, when we interact with others, we're interacting with beings made by God beings to whom God offers eternal life and God wants us to recognize his image in all people so um, you know we live in a society now that doesn't regard life very highly um, we just hear about random bizarre drive-by shootings and people sitting out in their patios and getting shot and I mean you know, just ridiculous uh, horrendous things that take place because at some level a lot of this has been wiped out of our culture this respect for people um, and seeing people as the image bearers of God, I mean, as, as, you know, as his creation and, and treating them accordingly. And I, I think that, you know, we've, we've lost sight of that. In a lot of ways, it's so, so rampant, I, I think we, we grow cold to it. And then, you know, I have thoughts that we've, we've you know, we've really quit teaching about um, who God is in our lives and that, you know, we're all created 
Um, and when you move away from that, then the value of life decreases. And when there's not, when people don't hold value, you know, life in high esteem, then, then it's no big deal. They don't even think about it. So we have some issues. Um, but he was, you know, things were being set in place so that wouldn't just be, because remember now, the, the world had become so wicked that that's where it was. And uh, he's trying to, uh, he's telling us how to make those changes in us, how we're to treat people. And then um, those verses, the, the covenant, as I talked about, um, that had three parts. Never again will a flood do so much destruction. Uh, it's one part. As long as the earth remains, the seasons will always come as expected. That's pretty good. And um, a rainbow, third, will be visible when it rains as a sign to all that God will keep his promises. And so um, because of this covenant, now the, everything is preserved. The seasons happen when they're supposed to, like they're supposed to. And uh, uh, when it rains, it doesn't cause universal floods. It didn't say it would never, there would never be floods because there are some local floods. We've obviously seen many in our own lifetimes. We've seen, you know, um, geographical floods that have been significant and caused great damage, but not universal ones. Um, and we won't. So that's one, one of those promises you can bank on. Then in verse 20, uh, Noah plants a vineyard. And, and so uh, he had probably been, um, before he became an ark builder, most likely he was uh, worked the soil. He was probably a farmer of some sort uh, where he was. And so he plants a vineyard. And, and, um, and then what we read about Noah is this part of the story that's not the one that we tell about our kids in Sunday school. We never get to this chapter. That um, Noah plants a vineyard and then he makes some wine. Then he drinks the wine and gets drunk and gets naked. That's the story. And, uh, and so it happens because it's written here in the book. Now, um, sometimes you might read chapter 9 and make it look like, like the day he got off the boat, he planted a vineyard and, you know, was able to make wine immediately and got drunk. It, it, most likely, this was a 20-year process before this happened. It's not like he hopped off the boat and that's what he did. Um, but at some point, he plants a vineyard and then he gets drunk and, you know, that's the way it goes. And... and um, uh, I, you know, I think the story makes it. Um, like, I think a lot of that stuff makes the Bible. So aren't you glad? See, I look, at, I'm, I look at those stories, and I'm glad they make the book. Because a lot of the heroes of the faith, and Noah certainly was one. He's in chapter 11. He's a, of, of Hebrews. He's one of the heroes of the faith, no doubt about it. Aren't you glad that you, you get to see in the book that they've got some stuff that ain't completely perfect? Because that, uh, that gives me great hope. Because I know I got a lot of rough edges and stuff that ain't right. And uh, I'm glad that, that, you know, that that's that whole way God looks at the potential of people and how he sees them, you know, even back then through Christ somehow. And, and he, he's, he, you know, we're, we see them sort of through his eyes about how great they were. But then he includes for us that they had some issues along the way because this wasn't one of Noah's finest moments because um, he, you know, he gets drunk and, and ends up naked. And, um, and then what happens is, um, but you know it's important too because even though the wickedness had been taken care of because of the floods the potential for sin still existed in the guys that were left just as it is in us anyway um, Ham's attitude um, because he, he makes a big joke out of it shows this lack of respect um, for his father and, and somehow ultimately for God and so um, the other two brothers, they, you know, they, they cover their father's nakedness. They come in backwards so they're not exposed to it. And, he's, you know, they, and they, they cover him. 
and and uh, take care of him. And Ham, you know, that's what Ham should have done. Ham does the you know opposite, makes a big joke out of it, and uncovers it, if you would. And so this cause uh, causes him to be cursed. Um, Noah curses Canaan, and. Um, from Canaan come the um, Ham's son Canaan. From Canaan come the Canaanites. And if you, you we, every time we talk about the Canaanites and their descendants, start watching what happens to them um, throughout the book and what's happened. They they get and and they're they, uh, look it up who who they are today. So it's pretty interesting, and what happens in the journey as they go and the issues that they face um, along the way. So, but uh, blessed be the Lord God of Shem and uh, it, it says in effect blessed of Jehovah my God be Shem blessed be um, blessed of Jehovah my God be Shem and so Shem's line is the one we're going to follow uh, in this re redemption and um, Abraham's going to come from there and, and then you know everybody that we look to along the way and uh, it's, a, it's a picture of the descendants of Shem and um, that they would be honored in service of the true God that uh, God's church to, would ultimately be established uh, in that lineage in Christ um, and um, you know through the, the, the Jewish people that are going to happen um, they get uh, ultimately possession of Canaan and, and those people are made their servants um, as Noah predicts or prophesies rather and um, um, they, they either by conquest or by submission uh, along the journey you'll see the Canaanites become the servants of the um, the people of God, the, the Jewish people who are the descendants of uh, Shem indirectly through or directly through Abraham. So that's kind of where we're at in uh, Genesis 9. We'll pick it up in Genesis 10 next week and then another interesting tapple, a chapter and then in Genesis 11 Tower of Babel happens, another very interesting, every chapter is pretty interesting. So, uh, so if you get a chance read ahead and see what's coming and then we'll go from there if you've been watching by video thank you for doing that we appreciate you doing it and uh, come and join us when you can but that'll be good for today